0: Welcome everyone to the Voice of Reason podcast. I'm your host, the Voice of Reason, Owen Reese, uh, and this is the first episode of this podcast. Uh, I'd like to give a special thanks to Dreamhouse, uh, a couple of personal friends, Brianna Jackson and Derek Moffitt uh, and that band. They do a great job. Uh, you can check them out on Apple Music or Spotify. Uh, I've done some cool stuff, played at Summerfest, opened for the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. If you're a fan of their music or if you like this opening, uh, make sure to go check them out. I will put Link them into this podcast. Um, so obviously, like I said, this is the first episode of this podcast, so I just kind of wanted to get the um, you know, the purpose of this podcast out and and try to set the floor for what we're going to do here. So, there were a couple of reasons why uh, I wanted to have my own podcast. I've thought about doing this for uh quite a while, but um, you know, due to time issues and kind of other stuff going on, uh, I kind of got pushed back, so obviously, we're here now. So, there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to do. Um, my own podcast and and have some of this stuff. So first of all, first and foremost, I want to be able to uh, get my voice and opinions out uh, on a platform that doesn't affect my other employers. So um, I am a graduate assistant offensive line coach at Wisconsin Whitewater, uh, so I'm not always able to uh, be as concise or be as blunt with stuff as I always want to uh, on Twitter or other uh, public platforms just because I don't want to negatively uh, reflect on my employers. So this is a a chance for me to do that. Um, we're going to talk a lot about the Green Bay Packers here on this podcast. Basically, uh, general like Wisconsin sports, uh, Wisconsin Badgers football and basketball. Um, obviously, as we get into that time, I don't necessarily want to infringe too much on those spaces. As like from a like a recruiting update sites or anything like that. Like I also write for Bucky's Fifth Quarter. They cover that stuff. I don't want to infringe on that. But if I have opinions, uh, I will get those out. And then obviously too, we'll talk about the Bucks and the Brewers again, as I feel appropriate. I don't want to be like a beat reporter for them or anything. but um, just to kind of to get opinions out as we continue um, to get through this coronavirus COVID stuff. Obviously it's pretty unprecedented, but um, you know, hopefully we can get back to get to back to that eventually and in time. Um, so yeah, so just in general, like I said, it's kind of setting the stage for this podcast uh, moving forward. Uh, so, obviously, again, this is the first episode, uh, and with the NFL draft only two days away, uh, recording this on Tuesday, the 21st, uh, with the first round only two days away, kind of wanted to get right into it with the Packers stuff, right? So, to me, there's, there's four positions that they could target in the first round. Um, either wide receiver, offensive tackle, defensive line, or safety, or defensive back in general. The last linebacker that the Packers drafted in the first round that wasn't a pass rusher was 2006. It was A.J. Hawk. Um, I just don't foresee them uh, doing that. I, I, I understand the Packers' concern, Packer fans' concern for the run game, the run defense, and that position in general. Uh, the Packers played uh, more dime defense than any team in the NFL last season, and I uh, don't know if that's – I've expressed my frustrations on this and other platforms. I don't know if it's because of preference or because of personnel limitations. Uh, obviously trying to keep B.J. Goodson or Tyler Lancaster off the field uh, is one way to do that, just to play more defensive backs. So to me, I, I don't foresee them taking a linebacker unless it would be some type of uh, catastrophic fall. For someone like Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen, I think both are projected to go well ahead of pick 30. Uh, so, I mean, if one of those two were to fall, I suppose that could be an option, but, but I don't really don't see that happening. So, uh, we'll jump to uh, wide receiver, obviously, is the other popular position that Packers fans want a, a first-round pick at, and there's, there's five guys that jump out to me um, as guys that I think that they would target, um, two of which may or may not be there. Uh, so, we'll start right away with Justin Jefferson, uh, the receiver from LSU. Uh, he played primarily in the slot this year, uh, but has played both a slot and outside, Obviously, his production exploded with the explosion of the LSU offense, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, along with their offensive line playing as well as they did. Um, he's a guy, to me, I think plays like a bit like Anquan Boldin, uh, a good, strong slot receiver. He's good after the catch, but he's not a burner. I uh, ran a 4-4-2, I believe, at the Combine, but, um, but not a guy that wins with speed. He's a route runner. He's a, a savvy football player. Uh, and he's a guy that I think if the Packers have the ability to take, I think he's probably their favorite wide receiver and someone that they would prefer to take in that first round. Denzel Mims, another guy who's really shot up the boards in this process, had a great senior bowl uh, after a good career at Baylor. A big, tall receiver, 6'3", and um, ran a bit of a limited route tree at Baylor, truthfully. Uh, it's not quite like Corey Coleman, uh, Katie Cannon limitations out at in the route tree, but Something he will need to continue. He did show well at the Senior Bowl, so I, I don't have any concerns with him being able to pick it up. But from a sheer, uh, you know, transition standpoint, it will be a bit. He will be asked to do more at the professional level than he was in college. Uh, I also think he could end up being gone. He seems to be a, a hot topic uh, in this draft cycle. He could be a guy that could uh, be gone before pick 30. Uh, the next two guys are, are somewhat in similar ilk with each other. One is Jalen Rager. The receiver from TCU uh, is a burner. Uh, ran four four seven at the combine, but I think that was too slow. He probably is a 4-3 guy, truthfully. Uh, big-time explosive broad jump, vertical jump. He's really fast, completing the return game, screen game, uh, just being able to get the ball in his hands. Uh, he's a good deep route runner as well. Had issues this past season at TCU. He they started a freshman quarterback. He was not very good. Uh, but if you look at his sophomore film and even freshman film, Rieger's one of the better receivers in the country. I think he's a guy that the Packers would value quite a bit, Um, gave the uh, receiving core a bit of a a speed element that outside of Velda scaling, they truthfully don't have, Uh, but he comes in a different package than most of the Packers receivers. And that's the reason I think that they could, they could value him. Brandon Ayuk is another guy as well that uh, somewhat like similar to Rieger return game, screen game, ball in hand, yards after catch ability. Um, He's got a really long wingspan. He's kind of built oddly. He's got like a seven-foot wingspan at like six-foot-one or 5'11". He's kind of a shorter guy, um, but he's a guy I think, too, would provide a good variety in the receiving core um, for the Packers. They they basically have Devontae Adams and a bunch of power forwards uh, in the room. They've got Jay Kumaro and Equinemius St. Brown and Marquez Baldess-Scantling, Alan Lazard. Uh, they just signed Devin Funchess, a lot of these big – skyscraper wide receivers and Brandon Ayuk and Jalen Rieger for that matter would give them someone different, a different body type, a different skill set uh, that, that they could see and, and could use and make defenses prepare for rather than, than kind of being able to be consistent across the board uh, as a receiver room. And then the last one actually kind of fits into that body type that they seem to prefer uh, and that would be T. Higgins from from Clemson, a big 6'4", 215 pound wide receiver. Didn't test really well but again Think we can get kind of caught into that uh, that trap of you know expecting every receiver to have to run a four four, or have to be freakishly athletic, or or have a forty inch vertical, or you know have a, a sub four second twenty yard shuttle or something. Not everyone's going to be built the same and, and built different, and, and I don't I wouldn't expect uh, Higgins to have the same agility scores as someone like Ayuk or or stuff like that. So he's a big receiver, uh, played really well at Clemson over the past couple years. He and Justin Ross were one of the the better combinations in the country. I think he's a guy that that the Packers could look at and could consider uh, in that first round. I think he's probably projected to slide if the Packers want to trade back from 30, get into that early second round range. I think Higgins could be another guy that could be there uh, and be in consideration for that pick. Now we'll move to the offensive tackle position. right? So David Bakhtiari, maybe one of the best left tackles in the NFL, uh, maybe the best and one of the best for sure. Um, at right tackle, they let go of Brian Balaga, and they signed Ricky Wagner, who admittedly is a step down, um, but he is considerably cheaper. So I think you, you kind of give and take some there. They signed Jared here halfway through the year last season. Uh, he had retired in the 2018 offseason with the Patriots, uh, applied for reinstatement, and they waived him. The Packers picked him up, and he was a really good third tackle. Uh, for the Packers, a much better option at third tackle than they've probably had in quite some time. Um, he was able to step in for Balaga late in the year, played very well. He is going to be 33 years old this season, so clearly not a long-term option as that swing tackle. Uh, but with Billy Turner's ability as well to kick out, I don't think the Packers want to have him play tackle. I think there's a reason they signed him to play guard, right, uh, despite his tackle history. But Veld here is a guy that, has shown the ability. Has been a big-time tackle during his career. At one point, one of the better tackles in the NFL uh, for a couple years span, and and he showed that. Um, you know, he's still got some, some ability. He's definitely not the player that he once was, uh, but he's a guy that that is very capable of being a spot starter, a band aid for a couple games, and and getting you out of that situation. So I think that he gives the Packers some uh, ability that if they're not able to get the type of offensive tackle that they want in this class. Uh, provides them some versatility um, and some ability to uh, get out of that. They don't necessarily have to be locked in at that offensive tackle position. Um, so however, moving forward from that, I think three guys are, are really who they are going to be in the ballpark for uh, at offensive tackle just kind of given their seeming their preferences at the position. Um, first is Josh Jones from Houston. Had a great Senior Bowl. uh, Had a good game this year against Oklahoma. And he's a guy. He's he's an athlete first. I think that's that's important to say. I think that's obviously the Packers' type, um, despite whatever frustrations I may have with that. But he's an athlete first. uh, But he's shown an increased uh, ability to. um, You know, year after year, he's improved. He's got better technique year after year, and he showed that. He even had a couple good reps at guard uh, at, at the Senior Bowl. So he's a guy that to me. Has risen throughout this process, and I think he's probably that next tackle. Uh, the he's not one of the top four, but I think he's probably that next dude uh, in that in that range, and I think he could be around at thirty. Uh, but it wouldn't also surprise me if he were to be picked by like the Dolphins at twenty six or one of these teams that that is tackle hungry. Uh, even someone like the the Houston uh, or excuse me, the Tennessee Titans at twenty nine. Um, I think someone like Josh Jones or even like Isaiah Wilson for them. Lucas Nyang are guys that can make a lot of sense. Uh, the other two guys are, are much more, I would be much more trepidatious about drafting if I was the Packers. Ezra Cleveland from Boise State and Austin Jackson from USC, um, both have, have risen throughout this process. Both are very good athletes. Uh, the primary concern, I had a conversation with someone on Twitter yesterday, The the, the, the my primary concern is that when teams take offensive tackles that are athlete first. I'm, I'm generally pretty hesitant about that because it either means that they are dependent on their athleticism for success rather than succeeding because of their athleticism, uh, if, that, if that makes sense. And the other thing, too, is that a lot of guys, when they are those athletic project types, they have some inconsistencies in technique, which obviously drafting them into the NFL, you want your offensive line coach to be able to improve that. Um, you know, but but the offensive line is a position that's hit especially hard as they continue to regulate and minimize and shrink the ability uh, for these teams to practice and the opportunities that these players have to get reps. Uh, all, you know, these high upside, quote unquote, developmental offensive tackles. Ben Solak from the Draft Network had a good article about this yesterday it's a tough ask because there's less opportunity than there used to be for these guys to get reps and to develop, quote-unquote. So you're taking these high-risk guys in the first round uh, with with less opportunity than you've had in the past to like have them continue to learn technique and to master that and get better. So to me, and, and this has been more of a f- philosophical thing uh, always, but I'm much more of a fan of the safe offensive lineman. Um, usually a bit more technically sound, usually a bit more physical than the, the, the very, very athletic guys. Not that an athlete isn't physical, um, but just in general, those guys that are, are safer, more functional transitions into the NFL, I think, Um, It's kind of been my type and and that's something that the Packers haven't necessarily aligned with, which is fine. Um, But those are the two guys I think Ezra Cleveland could go very early. I know Daniel Jeremiah has also mentioned Austin Jackson as a tackle that could go earlier than people think. Uh, However, you try not to read into that stuff too much because at this point in the year, um, you know, it seems like there's about 45 guys that you shouldn't be surprised if they go in the first round. So um, that's what the offensive tackle class looks like at this point. Uh, I think those are some of the guys that the Packers would consider at that position, uh, you know, if they're on the board at 30 um, that that kind of fit what they look for and what they try to do. So now we'll go to the defensive line. Uh, it's a position I think that is much more of a sneaky need than most Packer fans would like to admit. Uh, there have been guys that they've been taken at that position uh, in the last couple of years that would, um, you know maybe, Make you a bit less uh, enthralled with with taking a defensive lineman early. And you can say, well, we just signed Dean Lowry, and we have to sign Kenny Clark, and we just drafted Montrevious Adams, and we took Kingsley Kiki last year. But the fact of the matter is, is that with Mike Pettin, uh seemingly preferring to play this dime defense, I think that's the assumption I'm going to go with uh, because we haven't gotten any answers like that from from the media, but. If that's the case, if the Packers want to have this be their defense, that they're going to major in this dime defense and going to have six defensive backs on the field at all times, then they need to Im- continue to improve the defensive line play in order to, to supplement that. So to me, someone like A.J. Epinesa could be available at 30, was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, played extremely well at Iowa for, for three years, and went to the NFL Combine and didn't test at an elite level. Uh, He didn't test. He ran a 5-something 40 at 275 pounds as a defensive end and led to a lot of concerns. Is he explosive enough? Is he capable of doing that? To me, I think he's a guy that if if he's available at 30, if the Packers have a high grade on him, he could be a guy that's an upgrade over Dean Lowry, can be a better pass rush guy there, and also could have the ability to play the run as well as a 5 technique. That's what he's done at Iowa as well, but just a bit more juice in the pass rush department. So He's a guy to me, um, isn't like a, a clear quote-unquote like, well, this is the exact role that he'll play. I think he can do a couple different things, but he would be a talent upgrade along the defensive line, and that's the thing. Is like, when you play the dime defense, you've got four D linemen and six defensive backs and one linebacker. So presumably two of your, your D linemen will be Zadarius and Preston Smith, and then the third will be Kenny Clark. Who is that fourth? Is it Tyler Lancaster? Is it Dean Lowry? Is it Kingsley Kiki? Those are fine. Um, Kiki, I know, is a guy that the Packers like, too, but A.J. Epinesa is objectively a better player than Kingsley Kiki, and I think that's someone that, that uh, throughout this process hasn't really been valued as much because he's probably been listed as an edge. So Packer fans think, well, they just drafted Rashawn Gary and they signed precedence and Zedarius Smith. They don't need uh, another edge rusher, but truthfully, Epinesa's best role in the NFL might be as an interior 4-I or 5-tech rusher to a strong side and be able to to rush that way and be a sub-package guy. I mean, if the dime defense is going to be the Packers' thing, um, you know, that that's a sub-package. So, I mean, it's, it's generally a, a pass-rush package because you've got six defensive backs on the field. So I think he's a guy that really hasn't been thought of a ton but but really could be an option for the Packers at 30. And then uh, Ross Blacklock from TCU is another guy. TCU's scheme isn't necessarily uh, a clean transition to the NFL, they kind of ask him to to play out of a frog stance and and it's not always attacking and being as aggressive as a guy, as athletic as Blacklock uh, is. And I think he's a guy too. He and like Justin Matabuike from Texas A&M are two guys that could be near that end of the first round, early second round, if they were to trade back, that would be more of a disruptor along the defensive line, probably than Epinesa, a bit twitchier as a bigger body. Uh, But, but someone that could, could, uh, create some disruption for the Packers. I think he's a guy that if they take someone like Blacklock, I think Kenny Clark remains playing more nose tackle. Um, it, that may or may not be the better thing for him. but um, So I think that's a guy to, to keep in mind for Packers fans. And then I'm not going to say cornerback, but I will say safety is the, is the last position I think the Packers fans really need to be prepared to see a pick at 30 if the Packers stay there. Someone I've been pounding the table for, and we'll talk about this in a second, is Grant Delpit from LSU, a former five-star recruit, big time. uh, Heading into this 2019 season, was thought to be a top five or ten pick. Uh, Had some struggles tackling, admittedly. That's that's an objective issue is that he's not a great tackler. Uh, But if you play him at free safety, I'm not drafting you to tackle. I'm drafting you to get four to five interceptions as a center fielder, and that's something he's able to do. He is a ball hawk. He is a willing tackler. I don't think there's any question there. Uh, just needs some technique cleaned up and, and did play injured for a bit this year, so we don't know the extent, uh, how much of that played into his tackling issues. Did seem to tackle a bit better in the college football playoff, for what that's worth. The next guy, Antoine Winfield Jr., the son of former Vikings and Bills corner Antoine Winfield. Plays a lot like his dad. He is smaller like his dad was. He is five 5'9". Uh, so he's a guy that um, shows a lot of instincts. He's a ball hawk. He plays... Uh, all over the place, like with his head on fire, uh, has been hurt a lot, unfortunately. Um, and that's something that I think is a bit of a concern. Uh, he's like a fourth-year sophomore, uh, essentially, at Minnesota, just unable to stay on the field. Uh, he's a guy that I think can do a lot. He's very skilled. He's a very talented player. But I think the bigger concerns with him are the medicals. Um, he's a guy, though, that, again, if you're looking to add, continue to add talent and add versatile pieces to this secondary, any of these safeties allow Darnell Savage to go down and play in the nickel, which I think is an important thing. It's something he really thrived at at Maryland, and the more places you can play him, the more things you can do with him, I think, the better and use his skill set and athleticism and speed on the back end of that defense. Uh, Xavier McKinney, a third guy. He's an Alabama guy. He's played there for three years. Um, extremely intelligent. I mean, anybody that plays as many different positions in that Nick Saban defense as McKinney did, I think obviously have a great uh, grasp of the scheme. He's not a great athlete um, and and has been dinged at times uh, with some injuries, but he's a guy that I think is another guy that if if the Packers draft Xavier McKinney, I think you probably leave Darnell Savage as a deep safety or you're able to, able to, to really kind of inter- interchange he and Xavier McKinney. I think those are two guys that have similar skill sets. Savage is a bit more athletic. I think McKinney probably plays a bit more heady uh, or, or with some more savvy than Savage does. But um, he's a guy, both guys, I think, that fit the style of what the Packers are trying to become on defense with that identity. Uh, and someone that the Packers could and I, I pick, I pick. it would be a good pick at 30, uh, wouldn't be a reach by any means. Um, and then from there, we'll go to the two uh, big-time athlete small school guys uh, at safety who have been uh, very enticing throughout the process both of or at the senior bowl uh, highly thought of both blew up the combine first is jeremy chin from south or southern illinois he played free safety there at the fcs level 6'3 220 pounds 41 inch vert an 11 foot broad jump ran a 4-4 big huge just salivating athlete right like he's the guy that you you Create in the lab. That's what you look like. You want a safety to look like and, and move like it's Jeremy Chin. However, you have questions. You have concerns about the level of competition. Um, you know, and, and where does he play? Does he play free safety in the NFL? Does he get put into the box? Does he even play sub linebacker? Uh, so there's some questions there. I think none athletically, but I think just kind of with his fit and and competition level. And then the next guy is Kyle Duggar from Lenore Ryan, who is a Division II program. Who is even more, um, you know the the, the level of competition concerns are there he's a guy that was simply bigger and more athletic than any guy he played against um, at the, at the college level especially the division two level now he went to the senior bowl he played well and and I don't think that if you uh, put an Alabama helmet on him uh, that you would be able to tell much of a difference so athletically he's there he played well down in uh, in Alabama but is a guy that you know I Question: Do you play him at dime, you know, or sub linebacker? Is that what you're taking him for? I don't know if he can play safety at the NFL level. Um, so it's a guy that I can see the athletic uh, allure. He and Chin both freak athletes, very talented that way, uh, and that's something that the Packers have shown that they value. But I don't know if he would be as enticing to me as some of the other guys, some of those Delpit, Winfield, McKinney, real fits at safety uh, that could truly play the safety position and allow other guys to move around. So from there, uh, I will jump to, uh, I did a mock draft on the, the draftnetwork.com draft simulator. Uh, I'd like to thank them for, for allowing all of us to do that at an obnoxious rate. Uh, as we continue through this, this draft process, it's a great tool. It's a fun exercise. And this is simply an exercise. Exactly what it is, is uh, just kind of an example of what I think, a little mix of what I think the Packers will do and things that I would do. Um, so In the first round, we've talked about this. I'm a fan of taking Grant Delpit in the first round. I think he's a great fit for what the Packers do. Um, You would allow him, he would play free safety. Adrian Amos can play strong. And you allow Darnell Savage to play in the nickel. Um, That would reduce the need for a nickel player. Um, You've got Josh Jackson on the roster. They have not re-signed Tremont Williams yet. I don't know if that's something that they're looking to do. Tremont Williams well up into his later 30s. has been a valuable piece for the Packers, but as they continue to move forward, there does need to come a time where he's no longer able to make the roster. I think if the the secondary is as good as it's supposed to be, um, Delpit's a guy. Again, the tackling issues are a bit concerning, but I think if he plays as well as he's expected to as a ball hawk in the NFL, I think the the missed tackles are something you deal with if he ends up getting four to five picks a year. And the other thing too is he can, he carries himself this way. He's an alpha dog athlete. I mean, he's the headline name guy on that LSU defense, which is filled with NFL-caliber players, and he's a guy to me. Um, you know, he won the Thorpe Award this year. I think he probably won that more on name recognition than than his truly his play this year. But as a sophomore, was considered one of the best prospects in the country. He's a guy that. He's going to carry that swagger into the Packers secondary. And a lot of people have said, yeah, well, he's like haha Clinton Dix if he's just a center fielder that can't tackle. One, I think he's a better athlete than Clinton Dix was. And two, his tackling concerns, I mentioned this earlier, he is a willing tackler. So his tackling concerns are not from a an effort standpoint or a willingness standpoint. It's a technique thing. Uh, and technique is much more quickly fixed uh, than a willingness to be physical and tackle. So I went with Grant Delpit at 30. Another thing to mention, there are no trades in this. I don't, um, you know, I kept it simple. I kept the Packers uh, where they're at. Uh, so keep that in mind through this exercise as well. Uh, Brian Gutekunst has moved around. He's traded up and down in the first round in his first two drafts as the Packers GM. So clearly showing he has the willingness to move around and navigate the board. Um, so that's something that was not reflected in this, this exercise or this simulation for me. Uh, so at 62 in the second round, had the Packers taking KJ Hamler, the uh, jitterbug wide receiver out of Penn State. So he's small, okay, and he's he's a guy that does not fit the Packers' type at receiver. Uh, however, we've seen historically the and not not from Koons, obviously we've only had two years of this, but the deviations from the Packers' type, quote unquote, that we've seen have been wide receivers in the second round. Uh, guys like Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson didn't fit exactly what the Packers typically look for in receivers. Uh, but those second-round guys were were deviations from what they typically do, and that's something that Handler would be. Now, he would be the uh, antithesis, antithesis, excuse me, easy for me to say, uh, of most guys in that wide receiving room for the Packers. He's, a, he's 5'9", 175 pounds, but he is electric. He's a burner. Uh, he's an angle eraser with the ball in his hands, has return experience, will be able to play in the slot and and be – A lethal slot guy as far as his short area quickness being able to get open get off a press uh, despite his small size and being able to work in space I think he's a guy that provides a dynamic that the Packers offense simply doesn't have right now Uh, and and while like I said he doesn't fit the Packers type I think that he would be a great addition to that receiving core and uh, give the Packers something they don't currently have and give Aaron Rodgers the opportunity to you know throw a bubble to him throw a now screen throw a slant and let him make someone miss and take it to the house. It's something that the Packers don't have outside of, of Devonta Adams right now. <clears throat> in the third round, at pick 94, I went with Matthew Pert, the offensive tackle out of UConn. Uh, ben Barch, the offensive tackle from St. John's, was also there. It was very tempting as well, but Pert, higher on the board, uh, is a guy who's a right tackle at UConn. He's a good athlete, huge long arms. I think that's something that's enticing, and he's a pretty good athlete. He uh, showed it, the, uh, the one-on-ones in Mobile. He fought and he competed there. And I think he's a guy that you would bring in. Might even, it probably wouldn't keep you from from signing Valdir either, but could be that third tackle, you know, with the ability in the instance that someone were to get hurt. uh, You know, obviously you don't want that to be Bakhtiari, but could be able to slide in. I think. Optimally, he's probably a guy that if Ricky Wagner isn't playing as well as you'd like him to by the end of the year, that Pert's a guy that could push him for for a spot uh, and could eventually take that over. Has some definitely has some higher upside than Wagner does at this point. Wagner being 30 years old, uh, and Pert being a, a younger guy, like I said, long arms, enticing tools, and was by far the best player on a bad UConn team. Um, so he's a guy I think that that kind of fits what the Packers are looking for: some high upside on the offensive line uh, and in that offensive tackle room. At 136 in the fourth round, I went with Leckie to the big mammoth defensive lineman out of Utah. Uh, you'd play nose. He's like 6'3", 340 pounds. He's a pocket pusher, not a, not a great pass rusher, but he has, does show the ability to penetrate through a gap at times. Uh, he's got a quick first step, but more so that space eater, um, you know, let Kenny Clark play three technique, move him around a little bit, give him more opportunity to, to get one on one matchups and, and be that, that change of pace guy. He won't be in the, uh, you know, he won't be in sub packages, uh, but he'll allow that in that base at three four, um, any type of run stuffing look, any type of front that they're trying to do. uh a guy I think provides them. He's better than Tyler Lancaster as a nose. And to me, it would be a steal in the fourth round and a big body. Mike Patton traditionally has had that type of guy at nose. The last couple of years, they've kind of shied away from that. I thought that uh, Vito Vea could be a, a guy at 12 when the Packers picked, or at 14, rather, before they, they traded down. Um, and then back up for Jair Alexander, I thought at 14, Vea would be a guy they could consider. foe 2 that similar size, not the athlete that Vita Vea is, but a big dude. Uh, play in the middle of that defense and allow Kenny Clark to move around a little bit, free up some of the other guys because you need to dedicate two guys uh, to a guy that big. In the fifth round, uh, stayed local and went Quintez Cephas, the wide receiver out of Wisconsin. Didn't run very fast at the combine, uh, ran faster at his pro day. I think he's probably a four-six guy, but he's physical, really physical at the catch point, physical with the ball in his hands. He's a willing blocker, um, separates well uh, in his routes. He's really good out of his breaks, uh, especially vital for somebody that doesn't run super fast. And and he's a guy, to me, was a basketball commit to Furman uh, before his senior year of football when he really started to get some offers. And you can see that uh, being able to battle through contact at the high point, going up to get the ball, just like rebounding in basketball, being able to shield the defender with his body, just like boxing out. I think that that he's a guy that, um, you know, has has quite a bit of development uh, to continue to, to have. I think he'll be a better pro than he was a college player. Obviously had some some issues in his career at Wisconsin, missed the 2018 season uh, with some legal issues that he was found not guilty of. But um, Cephas is a guy, to, to me, uh, is shows up in big games, had his best games of his career against Ohio State and Oregon in his senior year, and, and he's a guy, to me, that um, <clears throat> probably uh, would be best fit in an offense where you play your primary receiver in the slot. The Packers do play Devonta Adams in the slot quite a bit, uh, so you can give Cephus those outside opportunities that way and and allow him to uh, to continue to learn. I think he's, a, again, a different skill set than what the Packers have in that that receiving core at the moment um, and is a, a high upside pick for them. I think in a couple of years he could be a wide receiver three uh, and a pretty good one. So the Packers have three sixth-round picks, uh, and this is the first one I went with this, I think he's a fan. I think that he's someone that the Packers could very legitimately take or be very interested in. And that was the left tackle from Michigan, John Runyon Jr., uh, the son of longtime NFL player John Runyon. He's a guy played a bit out of position at Michigan out of necessity at left tackle. I think he'll play guard in the NFL. I think he could also play center. He's very smart, really technically sound, uh, good athlete as well. Uh, 6'4, 310 pounds. I think he's a guy that, um, you know, it will be. Underappreciated in this class, like obviously he's not an offensive tackle. I don't think at the next level, but is a guy that that the Packers have struggled with interior offensive line depth for quite a while. And I think he's a guy that could fix some of that. Um, you know, there's talk that Lane Taylor could eventually potentially be cut, save about four million dollars if he's cut, uh, or if it could be traded as well. I think that he's someone that would be able to to fill in some of that interior offensive line depth uh, if possible, and and could be a good spot there. 208. I went Lamar Jackson, the corner out of Nebraska. Uh, was at the Senior Bowl. He's a big, long dude, 6'2", 210 pounds. Uh, not a, a big-time speed guy, but is a guy that can run a little bit. And <clears throat> the Packers have shown they like these big, long press corners to play the style they want that Mike Petton likes. I think in the sixth round, he's a, a risk worth taking. Another big body uh, to throw at that position, um, and and played pretty well at the Senior Bowl at times. Uh, got beaten the one-on-ones. Uh, at times, but that's not a, an advantageous position for a defensive back to be in. So at 209, the next pick after that, I went with Trey Adams, the tackle out of Washington. He's a guy that's had some pretty legitimate injury concerns a couple of years ago, was thought to be a first-round prospect. He's 6'8", a, a legitimate 6'8", and 310 pounds. Um, at one point, was a pretty good athlete. Uh, has had some back issues, had a neck issue, a shoulder issue, um, that that have sidelined him and really kind of limited his Uh, his stock here, I think that a lot of teams are going to stay away because of that injury history. Uh, I think here in the sixth round, late in the sixth round, he's definitely worth it. Uh, Big body at tackle, another guy you can develop, stash him on the practice squad. And in two years, you know, if Rick Wagner's released, I think you probably start Matt Pert at right tackle. Trey Adams is your swing guy. You've still got Bakhtiari extended. You're good to go that way. At 236 in the seventh round, I went with Tremaine Ankrum. Another tackle from Clemson. I think he's at six foot two. He's a, a sure bet to, to go inside at the next level when the Packers zone scheme with Matt LaFleur. Uh, you want these athletic offensive linemen. I think that's exactly what you get in both Runyon and Ankrum. college tackles that'll be bumped inside. Probably play guard or center in the NFL. But guys that are really athletic, they're they got the, the tackle experience the Packers like. Um, Ankrum, another guy, uh, was down at the senior bowl, played well, and, and is a guy that to me um, you know, has a lot of experience playing at that Clemson offensive line and that tackle experience. He's a guy that's been underappreciated because he's six foot two, um, you know, and, but, but he's a guy that fits what the Packers want to do. I think he would be a slam dunk in the seventh round, big time value, and probably make the roster to be honest, uh, as a reserve interior offensive lineman. And then at 242, uh, I'll wrap this up quickly. Went with Jeff Thomas, wide receiver out of Miami speed guy, has had some off-the-field character concerns, uh, was looking to transfer from Miami for a time, was thought to be that he was going to be going back to Illinois to go to do the University of Illinois, uh, eventually ended up not doing that, and then uh, ended up back at Miami. They've had some quarterback issues over the past few years between Malik Rozier and uh, Tate Martell this year and um, some other guys, Nicosi Perry, uh, that they've had there, haven't been able to find their guy at quarterback. So, Thomas is a guy I think is going to be a better pro than he was in college. Electric speed, can play in the slot, can be a return guy. Uh, And again, a a diverse skill set from what the Packers currently have in that room. So that was my mock. uh, Seventh round, 10 picks. I didn't trade. Um, So you get three wide receivers here. You get Hamler, Cephas, and Thomas. You get two big-time burner speed guys in Hamler and Thomas. You take four offensive linemen, which obviously I will never argue with, with Pert, Runyon, Adams, and Ancrum. You take a D-lineman in two, and then you get two secondary guys in Lamar Jackson and in Grant Delpit, obviously, in the first round. So O-line, D-line, secondary, and wide receiver, that's the big um, emphasis here, and those are the four spots that we think they could look in the first round of the draft. So um, we'll wrap this up quickly. Thank you again for listening to the first episode of the Voice of Reason podcast. I'm Owen Reese. You can follow me on Twitter, at draft. that's R-I-E-S-E, Draft, um, also created... Um, just recently here, the, the page for the podcast, it's at V-O recent pod. Um, somehow voice of reason uh, was taken. Um, but so, uh, again, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll continue continue to see how this progresses and, uh, and moves forward here into the future. But, again, thanks for listening. Uh, we have some plans here for the NFL draft, either be after day one, for sure after day two, and then likely a wrap-up. After day three as well, the Packers currently projected to take five guys, in or seven guys, excuse me, in day three. So again, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been Owen Reese for the Voice Reason podcast. Have a good one, and uh, we'll see you after the uh, the NFL draft.